Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When it says in Matthew 4.3, Matthew 4.3, the first temptation, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So this is something that's being hurled at the Lord in the form of a doubt. Are you really God the Son? Oh, you don't look like God the Son. You're sitting here starving to death in the desert. I don't think you're God. You need to prove it. You need to prove it. I dare you. If you really are God the Son... You're hungry, aren't you? Turn those stones into bread. Go ahead. You're all alone. No one will know. It's a temptation for the Lord when he's all alone. No one's going to know. Like the woman that's, that, that Scott, down on Mission Gorge Road, tried to help that rainy night, her broken car, and the woman gets in, the car, in Scott's car, and the woman propositions Scott and says, come out of this hotel and so forth. And the woman says to Scott, no one will know. <laughs> And Scott says, God will know. <laughs> so, okay. so here's the devil. He's in the wilderness, and the Lord's all alone, and the Lord knew God's going to know if I turn it into bread. Now, that was the first temptation. But the second temptation is very public. And again, though the same doubt is hurled by Satan to the Lord in verse 6. In verse 6, he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Are you really God the Son? I don't think so. I mean, are you really? Just prove it. Jump. Jump. You'll land safely on the ground. Isn't it interesting that in both cases, the first temptation and the second temptation, that the deity of the Lord is being challenged with the same doubt of, are you really the Son of God? If thou be the Son of God? You know, of all the doctrines, the truths, about the Lord Jesus. The one that's challenged the most is the deity of the Lord Jesus, the fact that he's God. Jehovah Witnesses challenge the deity of the Lord Jesus by saying that he's not God. This is what the Bible teaches. Here's God, here's Jesus, here's the Lord Jesus, he's God, and here's man. That's what the Bible says. And Jehovah Witness said, oh no, bring him down to this level. He's just a man. See? And, and, and it's challenging his deity. Bring it down. That's direct. No, he's not God. This is not God. Mormons do the same thing, but it's indirect. They say, oh, no, Mormons say, well, we're all God. That's what Mormons do, see? This is true. This is Jehovah's Witness. This is Mormon. Okay. All challenge. So, Satan, he puts the Lord on the highest point of the temple. It's kind of interesting. He puts him on the highest point of the temple, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a deja vu for, for, for Satan from Isaiah 14, 13. Isaiah 14, 13 where it was said about Satan, 
For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Satan wanted to be at the highest point. That's what he wanted. So Satan puts the Lord at the highest point of the temple, and then he commands him. But and he gets him up there, the highest point, and, and then he says, verse 6, cast thyself down. Now, isn't that scene so typical of Satan? Satan, in verse 5, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple, and verse 6 says, cast thyself down. It's very typical of Satan. Satan fell by pride and arrogance, and now he's seeking to get others to do the same thing, to fall by pride and arrogance. You know, Satan raises a person up in pride for one purpose, and then that purpose is that he might cast him down. God does just the opposite. God casts a person down into humility so that he can raise him up. Okay, so Satan, he wants to exalt this person. Because Satan knows in Proverbs 16, 18. He says, pride goeth before destruction. And, and, and God says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. For whosoever, in, in Luke 14, 11, Luke 14, 11, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And when he was talking about the, the difference between the publican and the Pharisee, he said in Luke 18, 14, Luke 18, 14, I tell you, the Lord Jesus said, this man, the publican who beat his chest, said, I'm a sinner. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Okay, now, in both the first and the second temptations, there's a definite position that Satan has put himself in. And it's seen in verse 3, and it's seen in verse 6. Verse 3, Satan says, command that these stones be made bread. Verse 6, Satan says, cast thyself down. Now, in both of these statements, the devil is not saying, why don't you consider turning these stones into bread? You know, maybe you should think about casting yourself down. No, No, it's not that. These are definite commands in verse 3. Command, I command you to command that these stones be bread. Verse 6, cast thyself. I command you to cast yourself down. And what he's doing here is he's giving orders to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus had obeyed these orders, then he would have accomplished his goal. Satan would have accomplished his goal, which was from what we saw in Isaiah 14, 13. Isaiah 14, 13, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit, and so forth. I will ascend, I will ascend. So if the Lord had done that, then Satan, what Satan commanded him to do, then Satan would have said, I did it. I finally did it. I accomplished it. I exalted myself above God, and I ordered, and he obeyed me. That was his goal. Now, we've seen that God gives to the devil limited power, not absolute power, limited power. In other words, God limits the devil what he, for what he can do and what he cannot do. And he sets definite limits. And the Bible talks about those limits 
in the uh, analogy, or the scene, or whatever you want to call it, of where God sets the limits to the waves. It says in Job 38.11, Job 38.11, Job 38.11, and said, Hither, talking about waves, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. It's interesting, you, you go out to a seashore, the Pacific Ocean, you know, but, but anyway, you go out to the seashore, and you see out there this this wave, this swell forming, it gets bigger and bigger, looks greater and greater, and you're just standing there at the edge, you know, on the sand, and it looks like this is going to be a tsunami, it's going to destroy me, and as it builds, and it crests, and it breaks, and it roars, and, and you're standing there, and then all of a sudden it just stops, it comes right to your feet there, it stops, and so first, and that's, that's a picture of God's limited power that he gives to the devil, God says, that's as far as you can go. You can't go any further. And we can see this limited power that, 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 that God gives the devil in verse 6 when the devil says in verse 6 to the Lord Jesus, cast thyself down. So in that statement, I mean, the devil clearly wanted Jesus to fall from the highest point to be destroyed. I mean, he was thinking to himself, you know, boy, if I can get him destroyed now, I mean, he, he knew that the Lord was on a mission to destroy Satan at the cross, and so Satan says, boy, if I can get him, I, I, I can stop the cross. I mean, he'll destroy himself. I'll get him to destroy himself. So that's why in verse 5, the, the Satan, he, he's got all this power to, to transport in Jerusalem and so forth. But though at this point, he had transported the Lord in Jerusalem. He had set him on this highest point there, and that was the point where Satan reached the limit of his power. That was the point where, of the wave saying, this far and no further. He wants him, he, Satan wants the Lord Jesus to fall from that point, be killed. But Satan could not push him over. Transport to Jerusalem, yes. Set him on the pinnacle, the, the temple's pinnacle, yes. Push him off the pinnacle, no. And just think of the Lord Jesus as he's experiencing, he's experiencing the power of the devil that he had from God against him. The Lord Jesus experienced Satan's power to transport him in Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus experienced Satan's power to set him on the highest pinnacle of the temple. But the Lord Jesus did not feel Satan's hand on his back, pushing him over. Instead, the Lord Jesus only heard the voice, the voice of Satan say in verse 6, cast thyself down. And when Satan reaches his limit that the power is given to him, the Lord Jesus only hears the persuasive voice of Satan. He only hears the influencing voice of Satan, the, the enticing, the tempting voice of Satan. And at that point, no hand in his back, it was just that, that, that enticing voice. Now, that, that's the picture of the devil and his power in our lives. God grants to Satan a lot of power against us, but the power is limited. And Satan may put us into a very dangerous place where sin is very possible. But Satan does not have the power to force us to sin. At that point, God says to Satan, that far, no farther. And then all Satan can do is just speak. He can, he can persuade, he can influence, he can entice, but he can't make the sin, he can't force sin. Satan can... Satan can make sin, can make Eve, can make Eve come face to face with the fruit. 
Satan can make that fruit look beautiful like it's never been looked at before. Satan can entice Eve to eat that fruit, but Satan cannot put that fruit in, in Eve's hands, and Satan cannot put that fruit in Eve's mouth. Satan could, make Eve, Satan, Satan could not make Eve sin, and the same is true for us. God will always limit Satan's power against us so that we have the power to say no. We still, God still gives us that power to decide to sin or not to sin. And that's what it really is all behind 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common demand. But God is faithful. Think about that, limiting Satan's power. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So, so for sure, in verse 5, the devil put the Lord Jesus in a, I'm sure he put him on a very unstable part of that pinnacle there. It wasn't like, you know, you, you feel solid on this. No, he put him there very soon. It wouldn't have taken Satan's hand. Just his little finger could have pushed him over. But, but God said, no, Satan, not even your little finger can touch him on that pinnacle. Here the two, you come, no further. And whatever, whatever sin that you and I go into, it is our own doing. The devil can persuade, but he can't force. The devil can say, cast thyself down, but he can't push over. Because of James 1.14, James 1.14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So every man sins when he's drawn away of his own lust, he's not forced. Uh, so the devil entices, cast thyself down. Okay, now, to back up this enticement to jump, Satan quotes this scripture in verse 6. He says, it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan says, it's written. I mean, what's, what's this? Is Satan carrying a King James Bible? <laughs> He's got Satan so well-versed in the Bible that he can quote Scripture. Has he memorized Scripture verses? So he's used Scripture. Satan has used Scripture to encourage the Lord to, to jump. And, and, and the Scriptures he's using is Psalm 91. Psalm 91. He's using verse 11, actually, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. But actually, when you look at the whole context of Psalm 91. It's interesting. Psalm 91.9. Psalm 91.9. You start there. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. So there's truth in, in what Satan is saying. There's truth that Yes, angels are dispatched to take care of God's people. You see that in Revelation 7.11. Revelation 7.11 gives us a picture where it says in Revelation 7.11, all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders. Okay, so this scene here in Revelation 7.11 is of angels around God's throne, and we, we know they're there because it says in Psalm 103, verse 20, Psalm 103, verse 20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So you expect that, and you see that in Revelation 7-11. There the angels are, they're praising, and they're, they're just listening to what, they, what God wants next. But that's not only there, 
The angels are also in Revelation 7-11. They're standing around the elders. And that shows us from Hebrews 1.14, Hebrews 1.14, about angels. Are not they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So what Satan is saying here is true, that angels have been charged to protect and care for God's people. That's true. And by the way, there's another scripture that Satan could have used. I don't know why he didn't use this, but it says in Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse 19, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. He could have used that. That was fulfilled in John 19:33 when they didn't break his legs. Well, that could have been another scripture the devil could have used, but we don't want to help the devil out here with scriptures. So anyway, okay, but the point is that there's truth in what Satan said about angels being charged to care for God's own. But the, and there's always truth in deception. There's always truth in deception, but there's always error. There's always error. There's always something wrong. And actually, Satan misquoted that scripture in Psalm 91.11 because the scripture that Satan said was saying, he shall give his angels charge over thee concerning thee, charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. The only problem is, the only problem is something was deleted from that scripture that he quoted, and where it says, where, where it really says in Psalm 91, 11, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, in all thy ways. He skillfully removes that part. See, he leaves out in all thy ways. God's going to keep in all, the, all thy ways. Well, what ways are those? Well, from the context of Psalm 91, 9, is talking about you made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your habitation. So when, when a person makes the Lord his refuge and his habitation, he's living, if you abide in me and I, my words abide in you, he's in Christ. He's walking in the Lord. He's in submission. He's in obedience. And his ways are God's ways. Incorporating Psalm 91.9, verse 9, with Psalm 91.11, verse 11, it would come out like this. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways when all thy ways are God's ways, because you made God your refuge in your home which is why the Amplified Version in Psalm 91.11 says, to preserve you in all your ways of obedience. So Psalm 91.11 is not saying that God's going to give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways when you go your own way and go away from God's ways. When a person goes his own ways and leaves God, not God's ways, he forfeits God's protection. He forfeits it. So if the Lord had cast himself down from the temple, the Lord would have gone his own way. That wasn't God's way. He didn't have any call to jump off the temple. And that would have been sin. And there's a difference between the Lord saving us from our sins and the Lord saving us in our sins. He saves us from our sins. He doesn't save us in our sins. By grace are ye saved, from Ephesians 2, 5. By grace are you saved. But Romans 6, 1, Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So this is how Satan cleverly misused Scripture. So now the first temptation, the Lord used Scripture. The second temptation, Satan used Scripture. And what's the Lord to do in a situation like that? It's like, it's like Satan is singing, any verse you can have, I can have also. You know? So when Satan used the Scripture, Satan is kind of like, you know, used the Scripture to nullify the other scriptures, kind of like Matthew thirteen nineteen, Matthew thirteen nineteen, And when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away 
that which was sown in his heart. So Satan is like acting like the birds that just ate up the seed of the word of God. So, he, so Satan has just countered the Lord's verse with another verse. So the question is, will he become discouraged and say, well, what's the use? If I use another scripture, he's going to have another scripture. Maybe I should stop using scripture. Maybe there's something better that I can use against the devil. But no, we don't see the Lord doing that. He does not abandon scripture, which is why the word again is so important in verse 7. In verse 7, Matthew 4, 7. Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The word again shows us that even though Satan used Scripture, that didn't cause the Lord to abandon Scripture and try another weapon against Satan. The Lord went back to Scripture again. And that shows us that we only have one, one weapon. We only have one weapon against the devil. It's Ephesians 6, 17. Ephesians six seventeen, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Lord did not say to Satan, by the way, the Lord did not say to Satan, you misquoted Psalm 9111. Wait a second. got to set this record straight. You left out a key part of the verse. He didn't do that. He didn't answer a fool according to his folly. Instead, we can see the Lord quickly going into the armory of Scripture again and looking for, let's see, what's the best weapon right now? Oh, okay. Right here, Deuteronomy 6.16. Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What he's saying here is that if I cast myself down, I'll be tempting God to save me from the fall. So here we have these three statements. It is written. It is written. It is written. Verse 3. Uh, I mean, verse 4. It is written by the Lord. Verse 6. It is written by Satan. Verse 7. It's written. It's, it's like clashing of swords. It is written. It was written. And, and it shows us how, as I said here, even when we're discouraged, we need to use the same weapon. The, Lord's, the Lord continues to use Scripture. But it still leaves the question in verse 6. When Satan said with another Scripture, it is written, and then the Lord responded in verse 7 with another Scripture, it is written, did that mean that, that, that the Scripture Satan used in Psalm 91.11 contradicted the Scripture that the Lord used in, in Deuteronomy 6.16? And no. Because all Scripture is true. But what the Lord did was use another Scripture to explain the meaning of the other Scripture. He uses Deuteronomy 6.16 to explain the meaning of Psalm 91.11. So it shows from this that Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture. Now, what we see in this passage, among other things, is how our enemy, the devil, does not give up. He's like a tailor. And he's constantly retailoring the coat. He's constantly studying us. He's constantly recutting the cloth to make a new coat that capitalizes on our vulnerabilities. We've seen how, how the enemy can use Scripture to persuade us, and it's important for us to immerse ourselves in Scripture, in scripture so that we have the correct interpretation. And we've seen how God gives limited power to the devil against us. And last week we talked about how encouraging it was that there's three temptations. It's very encouraging there's not a fourth temptation. It's just four. It stops right there. So, that, so God says, no fourth temptation, that far, no more. Three. And the same thing. So no matter how strong the temptation is for each one of us, we are solely responsible for sin. And no matter what the temptation is, we've got, God makes a way of escape, and we have one weapon, which is the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord. 
what a, what a hero he is to us, uh, the captain of the Lord's horse. He's a man of war. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being a man of war. And so, Lord, we pray that we'll learn from you how to fight in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 